You only have so much time. And you have a big assignment. I want the entire world to hear the gospel in my generation. I want every person on this planet to be saved. We open God's Word today together to be subject to it, to be taught by it, to be instructed. Let's go. What you're saying right now is, how did we get here? Well, because people do not believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Is ultimately, that's where it is. Yep. Being Reformed is more than just affirming the five solas. It's more than just affirming Tula. No one is outside the reach of Christ and His blood. If we are truly Reformed, there should be a sanctification, a desire to be sanctified by Christ, by holding onto as tight as we can the one who makes us white as snow. You can no more born yourself again than you born yourself the first time. Just so that you guys don't think we're just pulling stuff out of our cans here. Well, it's been a minute. Welcome to another edition of Matter of Theology. Not to be confused with Mana for Today or the Dead Guy Reader Society. This is the, the flagship show. The uh, the show that started it all, A Matter of Theology, is back. Uh, so on behalf of my co-host, the Christian Podcast Community and the Bar Network, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Matter of Theology. Speaking of that awesome co-host, Mr. Drew Vonita, the founder of Matter of Theology and host of the For Life and Godliness podcast. How you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm good. What's new I'm and exciting? Here. <clears throat> oh man um what is new and exciting yeah, um that's a good question um you know of all questions of all questions that's a good one yeah um and i say that because there really isn't anything new and exciting oh okay is there uh, anything just yeah. new You know what? You know what is new? What and what is kind of exciting? Okay. What's that? What's that? So, so you know, we live on like two acres, right? I'm I'm envious of that, by the way. Um. Well, for a while, we didn't. Ha- I didn't have a lawnmower that could cut right this acreage. Okay. And you don't want to go over it with a push mower, right? Negative. So, the and my my backyard is sectioned off into two different pastures right it's got um e- each has its own gate and it's all fenced off okay um uh, well it grew significantly to where it was like taller than me oh and uh you know finally we got some time where it hasn't just been raining nonstop or uh, cuz there's areas where the ground just gets super saturated back there. Yeah. Yeah. Um so it we reached a a stretch of time where it just hasn't been raining like crazy and um I was feeling well and I was home and I went and got um a big old gas can, got some okay. fuel. Oh. And cut uh the first section of well, like so I cut the first pasture. Okay. Um so there's still the second one. Okay. But I'm gonna wait about another week or two before I try to tackle that one because some of that stuff needs to die off a little more. So ah, with, gotcha. with, fall, with fall coming, it's easier yeah. to mow down. Oh, always. Um, but I'm gonna wait another week or two before I tackle that one. And I gotta get a uh I need to go get a weed eater. Yeah, man, dude, I, go get an electric my, one. So I have one, but I'm yeah, not awesome. a fan of it. I'm not. Oh, really? Yeah. Bro, bro, we out in the country here, okay? We, we ain't you living is. In, in the burbs, okay? That's, that's true. Um, you is. You, so, you is in the country. So I've got to have stuff to, to tackle country jobs. So like my, my gate to the far back pasture can't open because everything is so overgrown. 
Um, and then there's other parts where I just have to get my machete and, and hack stuff down, um, bushes that have just grown over the fence that I need to just take care of. Um, I thought you, I thought you were going to say you, you took the fuel and you doused it and set it on fire. That's what I thought you were going to say first. It it would not be a bad idea if I was the only area around my land, but. And it has been drier. Yeah. Well, on the, on right on the other side of my back pasture is uh woods. So it's tall trees. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, so don't do that. It, yeah. Yeah. Would have caught on fire. So. Yeah. That's not good, bro. That's not good. That's not good. So, but I thought that, well, brother, let me know, man. I'll, I'll, I'll come help you, man. We'll, we'll, we'll make it a, we'll, we'll make it a good time. I've got an electric, uh, electric trimmer that, uh, that works really well. Um, and I've seen some videos put you to work out here, bro. Come on, come on. Well, we got, what what we really need is we need to have, we got this back shed back here that it was here when the house, when we got the house, but we need to get it taken out. So we need a roll away to come and Mm. pull that thing down and get it out. Cause it's probably snake infested, rat infested, um, all that stuff so we need a bit of that so so yeah that's there it is living that country boy life that's right hashtag country boy life are you drinking fresca i am drinking fresca my man my man i like fresca i do too i do too i really dude look it's it's really like all we drink in the house so we drink fresca and sprite nice nice that's about it so that's a good choice bro because i for some reason, I can't drink Dr. Pepper anymore. That's okay. That's good. It's like, better for you. I mean, I know because it's just like sparkling soda water and grapefruit juice, you know, yeah. but it's like, I, I love Dr. Pepper, but it doesn't like me anymore. That's true. It doesn't. The older you get it, uh, your body says, no, negative. I'm done. I'm out. Get this crap out of me. Yep. <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome. Well, buddy, um, I mean, I know we, we, we talk a good bit, but, uh, uh, I hope everybody is, uh, is excited that we're back. We're, uh, tackling a, a pretty heavy topic today and, uh, you know, there, there's so much going on in today's world. Um, so much pain, so much turmoil, strife, confusion, tension, hopelessness, just to name a few. And, um, those, uh, <laughs> I could keep going with adjectives to describe, uh, the current milieu we find ourselves in. And in the midst of that chaos, there are so many professing uh, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ um, who are meant to find calm, are meant to find peace, um, and they're meant to, to hold on to this calm that can't be explained, uh, this calm in the midst of, of the chaos, a calm that is fueled by a hope of whose we are, a calm that is driven by knowing in the deepest fiber of our created being who's in charge of it all, a calm that is reflective of resting in the rich promise of God's holy, inerrant, infallible, and sufficient word. There should be a calm emanating from from knowing that we are held and can never be snatched or jump out of the very hand that fashioned the stars. However, that's that's not always the case with those who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those who, those of us who who wrestle with the assurance of our salvation and the promises of of the perseverance of the saints. And unfortunately, there are too many pastors and preachers and churches out there who either don't touch this topic and or completely miss what the scriptures teach on the subject. So in, in today's episode, we're going to be scratching the surface um, and dealing with the wonderful doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, of, of the assurance of salvation. And, and brother, I know this topic, this originated with you mm-hmm. um, and some things that you heard at a Bible study that struck a chord in your heart. So man, why don't you, why don't you kind of talk about that and, and, and set that up? Yeah. So, well, you know, I heard it. It's so funny because the same person I heard it from repeated it the pat this past Sunday as well. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. It was awful. Um, but that it, wow. those two times weren't the, weren't the only times I've, I've heard him right. say, I heard him yep. say it a couple of years ago yep. um, as well. But and I remember talking to you about this a couple of years ago. Yeah. And so, so really what happened, I was attending this Bible study and it's not a church that I go to, but it's a church that I know basically everyone at the church. It's true. You um, do. 
And so I was just attending because um, I need something to do on Wednesday nights, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I was going and it, what's really weird, really, really weird is the first couple of times I went, I was like, this is actually pretty good. And I, I was just thinking to myself, this guy is more biblical on Wednesday nights than he is on Sunday mornings. Mm. Like that. It's super odd. Interesting. But yeah. But then this particular night, um, we were, we were going through, we're going through, they were going through Roman or not Romans, Hebrews. Um, oh, wow. And somehow the, the, it came about that we, they were talking about people just walking away from faith. You know, people who profess to be Christians and then they just walk away, you know, and it's the idea of you can lose your salvation, right? You can, you can be saved and then you can be unsaved. And so one of the guys that was attending was, he was sitting next to me and he just, he was just like, you know, I just don't understand how someone can see all the things that Jesus does in the scriptures and then see all the things that Jesus does just in our life and then walk away, right? Uh, basically saying, you know, you're claiming to be a Christian. You, you, you got baptized and born again and all these things the way. Um, and this is now, listeners, bear with me. This is kind of the way that a lot of Southern <laughs> folks view it um, is the idea that under your own free will, if you... Um, if you make a profession of faith, you are born again and then you get baptized and that seals the deal and, and you're saved. Um, so they would count every single person as a Christian that does that. Um, but they would, but he went on and just said, I don't, I don't see how um, th they can just walk away, walk mm -hmm. away from Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, well, in my head, I'm going, it's because they weren't real believers. Like this, this isn't hard. If you right. read the Bible, yep. we know what, we know what the Bible says about these things and, and about these types of people. And so the pastor basically came in and he said, he said a bunch of other things, but he, he quoted a verse and he quoted the last part of the verse, completely ignoring the first part. He quoted the last part of the verse and then he added his own flavor into the verse. So this is the, oh boy. The verse in question that he was quoting is John 10, verse 28. Now I'm going to read the whole verse and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to tell you what he says um, after this. Okay. So John 10, 28, he says the whole verse and I give eternal life to them. Now who's the them? It's the sheep. Um, we're going to, I'm sure we're going to get into this, the greater context of, of John chapter 10 here. Just, Bro, it's like you're reading from my notes right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the, them is the sheep because Jesus is the shepherd. This is where we get, you know, Jesus is the good shepherd in this chapter. So because verse 27 is part of the same sentence, right? Well, right. it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole section that has yep. to be taken together. Yep. Um, but he says, and I give eternal life to them, the sheep. And they will never perish. Now he completely omits that part, but he says, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And then he says, but that don't mean you can't jump out. Oh gosh. So he doesn't say they will never perish. He just says, well, you know, the Bible says no one can snatch them out of his hand, but that don't mean you can't jump out. The problem is, Yes, it does. It does mean you can't jump out right. if you read the whole section. Well, we're going to get into it because I'm going to I'm going to fillet this verse open for us here in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. um, because when you get into the Greek, when you get into the original language of what these phrases actually mean, mm -hmm. it I mean, it drives it home. Right. The, I mean, you you there's an you have to intentionally twist what scripture says right. to arrive at any other conclusion. Well, here's what you have to do, um, because this isn't the first time we see this idea. We see it also in John six. That's right. Just, just a couple chapters earlier. Mm -hmm. um, 
but what you what you have to do, what's going on here with in the mind of people who do this and say this thing, okay, is that they're trying to cling so tightly to the autonomous free will of man. Yep. Because later, when, when I told you he, he, he mentioned it this past Sunday, mm-hmm. well, he mentioned it this past Sunday because someone asked him about it and then showed him some verses. Now I'm assuming uh, probably someone who listened to my other <laughs> episode. For life and guidance, um, yep. But uh, because I address it, I mean, and I go pretty in depth in it um, in talking about John 10, this section, and then John 6. Yep. But he says of that, he of those verses, he says, oh, all that is true. But then he has to introduce the idea of free moral agents, which completely ignores what the entirety of the scriptures teach about the nature of man who is separated from Christ, who is dead in his trespasses and sin, and who does not seek God. You have to ignore Mm -hmm. all of that. Well, ultimately, man, what you have to, by doing that, what you end up doing is ignoring the deity of Christ. You right. blaspheme the name of Christ. You, 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 you take the Lord's name in vain um, uh, by, by completely denying his deity. Um, you, you blaspheme the word of God because that goes completely against what the scriptures teach. And um, as uh, some of our listeners may know, I've, I've been, I've been digging into Ephesians one um, all, the whole month of October and Ephesians one is about the spiritual blessings in Christ and clearly shows how salvation is in Christ Jesus of the will of God. Um, you know, it's funny to me that, that he was in Hebrews and, you know, Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he completely just denies that by, 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 by teaching this, by twisting what, what God, God's word states to elevate man above Christ. Right. Now, this is, this is one thing I noticed, especially about being in these Bible studies, yeah. is that because <clears throat> going through Hebrews, I'm looking at this and the whole, the whole point of the book of Hebrews is, is about Jesus and That's Jesus right. is the greater than, right? Amen. Um, so it's all pointing to Christ. Now, what I notice is they, the ignoring of key doctrine in the text and completely jumping to the application. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a bypassing of doctrine and saying, okay, read these verses. Okay, now what about me? What does it right. say about me? Right. In right. There? Yep. And, and then that's where they go from, um, which again, minimizes Christ. And then it elevates self. Yep. And that's the that's the methodology that's carried into all these other verses. So now when he says that, when he says this idea, well, you can jump out of God's hand. Well, that means my will is stronger than God's will. Yeah. That means now that means I have to work to maintain staying in his hand. Right. That means that I'm actually a functioning Roman Catholic Mm. because I can just choose to be or not. Um, It's actually pushing me towards legalism. Yeah. Is what it's doing. And and, well, ultimately what it's doing, right. And I'm, I'm, I may go here later, but you know, you think of first John four, right. First John four, as far as testing the spirits, Um, you know, because if he truly believes this, um, if, 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 if anyone teaching this truly believes that this is, this is the way that salvation works, then you can jump out of God's hand that, that you, uh, that you are the one that initiates your salvation. Um, that is, I've already said it, that that is denying that Christ is God that is denying God and the will of God. And that spirit first John's clear is antichrist. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's blatantly denying the scriptures too. Absolutely, and it's showing your ignorance of the scriptures. Right, right, right. Well, brother, I um, I know that uh, you you tackled this in the second episode of season two of uh, for life and godliness, and and you dealt with it, and as usual, man did a phenomenal job, and and you talked about this passage of scripture. Um, and so what I, like I said, what I wanted to do is just open this up a little bit and cause that's what we do. Right. <laughs> and our hope and prayer ultimately 
is that by the end of uh, this this episode, that if you struggle with um, resting in the wonderful this, this wonderful doctrine, that by the power of the Holy Spirit through the opening of His Word, that um, that He would grant that rest and assurance to you. Um, and if you already find rest and hope here, we hope and pray that the Lord would solidify that and equip you to help others in doing that. Um, and um, you know, it's because here's the thing, man, and this is this is the problem with the pragmatic, seeker-sensitive, Arminian-saturated culture we see the Western church culture um, in our country is is. Again, you, you have people, you tell people that you can just pray a prayer and you can say that you're in Christ um, uh, without being in Christ, um, without having your life examined, without you yourself doing what Paul commanded in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, that we would test ourselves, examine ourselves, that we would be in the faith. Um, and, and, and so you have it's sad it's heartbreaking and it's uh really it is to to see a sea of of people in these huge churches well it doesn't have to be a huge church that 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 believe this and and pastors and preachers that 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 preach in this way that make make so little of Jesus Christ make so little of the will of God make so little of the deity of God and the strength of God and the foreknowledge of God and the and the predestining predetermined power of God that that they would lead people to believe that you can initiate, therefore you can you can initiate your salvation and you can initiate rejecting your salvation. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no. Scripture is wrought, replete. I use those words a lot with with passages, Christ himself saying uh, that that all whom the Father has given me, I will lose none. Right. So so, but one may wonder, for example, let me just start here. One may wonder, how do we do that? How do we examine ourselves? How do we test ourselves? Um, th- there's a good list um, in in First John, in First John chapter two. Um, so, if you have uh, a, a copy of God's Word in front of you, turn there. If not, if you're driving, just listen and, and go look these up later. Uh, but First John two, uh, starting in verse three, uh, says this: "And by this we know that we have come to know Him." If we keep his commandments, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God has been perfected by this. We know we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Okay, so we see a we see a good starting point there, a good list there, right? Do you desire to keep the commands and the commandments of God? Do you desire to know who God is through studying the scriptures? Do you desire to spend time with God in reverence and prayer and personal worship? Do you desire to mortify uh, the sin in your life, the deeds of the flesh? Um, this is something we should be constantly doing, um, not making, First John goes on to say that those who are in Christ do not sin. Now, what he's not saying is sinless perfectionism, like some of the charismatic chaotics teach. That's not what, what John is talking about. He's saying you don't make a practice and a habit of sinning, uh, that you hate your sin, that there's biblical repentance that comes when you do sin, that your desire is to hack that sin to pieces with speed, accuracy, and violence of action, that that is your desire in everything you think, say, and do. Um, ultimately, do you set your mind on the things of heaven? That's Colossians 3, 1 through 6. Do Here's a good one. Do the worldly systems and the world love you or hate you, right? It's John 15, James 3, 1 John 3, 13. Bottom line, do you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, as from God, according to the scriptures? 1 John 4, I already referenced that. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. Do you understand? Are you able to articulate the gospel of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you love that gospel? Do you need that gospel? Is it your desire to see that gospel spoken and lived out in your life? Well, if you can answer yes to those questions, that's a good start mm-hmm. to understanding that you possess what you profess. Right. And then when you see or hear something that's contrary to the scriptures, 
you go, wait, hold up something. I mean, even if you don't know, something's not right. Something is off about that. I need to go research that. Mm. And I need to go scour the scriptures and plumb the mind that is the richest jewel that Christ left us is what Thomas Watson called the scriptures. So I just wanted to kind of start there. I didn't want to dwell there Mm -hmm. because I I wanted this time specifically to be unpacking John 10, 28, and then what the scriptures specifically say um, around, uh, you know, around the eternal life that believers are assured and, and, and why we can persevere. But brother, what, what you got so far based on, based on what we just, what we just went through. Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a good, a good way to place a start to say, you can have your assurance of salvation by these things. Yep. Do you desire these things? Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing, <clears throat> you know, is do I desire holiness over sin? Mm-hmm. Do I hate sin once I've committed it? You know, the, these are good tests that you can perform on yourself. Yeah. Yep. But what is my attitude towards sin? Mm. What is my attitude towards holiness? Do I, do I view it as a burden? Or do I yeah, view good. it as a joy and a yeah. blessing? Um, so those are those are just great great questions to ask ourselves um, when we're when we're talking about our assurance of salvation. Right, right, amen, brother, amen. So, so that's a that passage of scripture, man. Let's get into that, uh, John ten twenty eight. And um, so, brother, you already walked us through the the context. Um, uh, so I, I love that, and because. Uh, what you know the, the first rule in proper biblical hermeneutics is context 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 um yeah, so like annual chapter nine right <laughs> yeah we're gonna get into that later not in this episode in, in, a, in a in a forthcoming episode um so so i love i love this sentence in scripture um and uh, i know brother you were you were reading from the new american standard which we love uh i'm gonna i'm gonna and i've been studying there a ton lately, but um, I'm just going to tell you, I meant to say this earlier, What? but I didn't, is that there's a lot of hype with the LSV right now, right? Yeah. I think it's going to die out. And I think people are just going to go back to the NAS 2095. That's fine. What's great about the LSV is its foundational text is the 95. So that's, that's, that's totally cool, but dude, check but this that's out. That's just that's just what I, what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, I, we'll get into that later. Um, I, I have some thoughts. Not on the tra- the translation is awesome. I unfortunately think the way it's been marketed hasn't been the best. Anyway, um, John John chapter ten, um, and I'm going to read it out of the LSB. And the reason I'm going to read it out of the LSB, brother, and I, and, and I actually prepared for this out of the the uh, New American Standard ninety five. Um, but then when I picked up my, my LSB and read it, I was like, oh, that's good. So check this out. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. No, and back, they f- up, back what's up. up. What's let's, up? Let's a little more context. Um, start in verse, uh, verse 24, verse 24. Okay. Hold up. Hold up. Let me back up there. Cause I had it just pulled up there and then I have my Bible open to first John. Cause I was going to go there next one second. Verse 24. Okay. It says the Jews then gathered around him and, and were saying to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us openly. The NASB says plainly, Jesus answered them. I told you, and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name. These bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Right. And I wanted you to read that for yeah. that specific part to get in there. So you have the Jews mm-hmm. they're gathering around and they're all, the Jews are always coming to test Jesus. That's right. And so basically they just say, Hey, are you the Messiah? Just right. tell us, are, are you the one we've been waiting for? And right. Jesus says, look, I've already told you, and this is how I've told you through the works that I do. Mm-hmm. They testify to me, all the works that the old Testament said that the Messiah was going to do. That's what I've been doing in your presence. But you do not believe, and this is key when people don't believe. Well, I just don't understand how they walk away. I just don't understand how they just right. don't reject Jesus. You do not believe because you are not my sheep. So right. there's a distinction between those who are Christ's sheep and those who are not Christ's sheep. And now going forward, we're going to see how one becomes Christ's sheep. 
That's right. That's right. Well, and brother, going back to what you were saying earlier, you know, first John, uh, uh, in, ch- in chapter two, verse 19, they went out of us, but they were not really of us for if they were of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be manifested shown that they are all, they all are not of us. That's an important distinction to remember that goes right along with what we're talking about. Good, good call, bro. So verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give, give eternal life to them and they will never perish ever. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Emphasis LSB. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. The, the ever there is why I was like, dude, that is good. That is good. Okay. So now that we have some context, man, I want to I want to open up some of the some of the words used here, uh, and then um, and then and then keep you know keep keep diving in uh, into the, some of the many places in Scripture where we see um, that this topic dealt with of the perseverance of the saints of assurance of salvation. So first, you know, we already talked about who Jesus was talking about. He said them, right? The them there, and you pointed this out is his sheep right? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 26, he tells the the Pharisees, you are not my sheep. Okay. So we see that clearly Christ is referring to his sheep. Uh, Those to whom uh, have been given, those who have been given to him by the father. We see that John 10, 29, with the very next uh, section here, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So he's re-emphasizing this point here. And then John 17, verse six, and and then nine and 10, uh, verse six of John 17, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Verse nine, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but those, uh, those whom you have given me for they are yours. Verse 10, and all things that are mine are yours and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. So to it, it, it's to those who, uh, who have been given to the Son from the Father, he has promised to them eternal life. Now, it's very, very important to state here that if we stopped here, we have to understand that every person made in the image of God will live forever somewhere. Mm-hmm. Everyone whether you're in Adam or in Christ, but that's the key. That's the question. The question is where will we be and to whom do we belong? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And for those in Christ, verse 28 clearly answers this question. Well, there's another, there's another question you can, you can throw in there. So so where will we be? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, right. Eternity. Yep. Uh, To whom do we belong? So yep. we would say God. Yep. But then a follow-up question is how do we become belonging to him? That's good. That's which good. is which yeah. is answered in verse 29. That's right. That's right. That's right. My father who has given them to me. So good stuff, brother. Good stuff. Now check this out. All right. So here uh Jesus is saying, and eternal life, I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. and no one will snatch them out of my hand now let's open this up okay because this is this well, is first, crazy let me Go just ahead. throw in real quick before you get into that mm-hmm. um at verse 27 my sheep hear my voice so there's a voice in christ as the shepherd there's a voice that he uses to call his sheep and this goes back to verses four and five mm-hmm. of chapter 10 because Terrible, yep because only Christ's sheep will follow Christ. They will not follow a stranger. The shepherd's right. sheep follow only the shepherd. That way, when because what w- what you have is you have all the sheep together, sheep, goats, all all of these in one place. The shepherd can go out. He can raise his voice to the mm-hmm. sheep, and his sheep will come to him and That's follow right. him out That's of right. the sheep gate. That's right. That's right. Um, that's an important distinction too. <laughs> you know, this uh, John ten ten is one that uh, that likes to be ripped out of context constantly. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they uh, may have life and have it abundantly. Um, that 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 puts that in in proper perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So 
That's good, bro. That's good. So this uh, this this phrase, and they will never perish, ever. May ice aeon in the Greek. It's a phrase, and you could literally translate it as not ever moving towards eternal destruction or perishing. Ever. Ever. And I love that emphasis. And I like the way you said that emphasis, LSB. Um, and and I, I like that because just in case there was a doubt, right? right? Just in case you you missed and they will never perish. Like j- j- just in case you missed that. Just in case the word will, which is a definitive term. That's right. Just in case that wasn't clear enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Paul in Romans 8, you know, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from Christ Jesus. Like, I mean, that's that's an important distinction. And they will never perish ever. And and the, that that phrase, that definitive statement, by the way, that will never um that then there, there have been some translators, not translators, but um, uh, theologians over time who have said that that's that could be. I'm, I'm I'm stressing this here. That could be the same kind of phrase and the same kind of emphasis as megonoita. May it never be. God forbid. Will never. God forbid. You will never move towards eternal perishing eternal lostness, eternal destruction entirely. That will never, ever happen for Christ's sheep. Mm-hmm. Jesus Regardless of, clear, of your will. <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, and, 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 you know, the, the Jesus goes on to say, no one will snatch them out of my hand. By the way, no one includes you. Right. You, you can't snatch yourself out of, out of the father's hand. You can't snatch yourself away from Christ. Well, you, you can't, can't snatch yourself out because you didn't put yourself there to begin exactly. with. Exactly. Exactly. What is it? Macar- I've heard MacArthur and Paul Washer say the same thing. If I could lose my salvation, I would. I would. Yeah. I absolutely would. So, brother, I, I love that. I, I love that. Um, and no one will will snatch them, will we'll, we'll take them, will uh, remove them from my hand. It will not happen. You can't do it. So what, what, what you got, man? No, I keep going, man. That's, that's cool. 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 Um, I mean, so in, in, in scripture, again, it reemphasizes this. I've, I've said this before and, um, uh, Martin Lloyd Jones, the doctor has constantly said, if, if you come to, um, a, a conclusion from reading scripture and, and the only, the only area you find to back up your conclusion is right there in the one verse or one sentence that you're reading, start over. Mm-hmm. Do it again. Scripture interprets scripture as a diamond cuts a diamond. And so we see this reassurance, this, 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 this promise um, uh, throughout the scriptures. Uh, 1 John 2, 24 and 25. As for you, let that which you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. Verse 25. And this is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life, mm-hmm. eternal life. I mentioned that I've been in Ephesians. Um, Ephesians 1 has been, uh, I've, I've, I've lived there. We're recording this on the 26th of October, and I have been in Ephesians since October 1st, specifically Ephesians 1, reading it every day. Um, if you've been listening to Mana for today, you know, we're starting to go through that. I don't know how long we'll be there. We'll be there until, until I don't want to do it anymore. Um, but we, we see very clearly, very clearly from the downbeat in the first sentence of Ephesians one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. I mean, that's Paul establishing apostolic authority. That's Paul saying, I am an apostle. I'm a sent one. But before he doesn't elevate himself, he doesn't elevate his will. He elevates Christ and the will of God and shows that he's a slave of Christ first and then an apostle of Christ first, second, by the will of God. And then he continues to go on, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in him 
before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love by predestining us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of our will. Nope, wrong. His will. His will. But check this out. You you, you go down and you guys go and read Ephesians 1. Uh, I could read the whole thing. I'm not going to do that uh, for, for the context of time, but we have to understand something that starting in verse 11, in him, in Christ, we have also been made an inheritance. So we're an adopted child, all the rights thereunto. But we are also an inheritance given. We, we have an inheritance and we've been made an inheritance. Mm-hmm. Our inheritance is Christ. Right. And we've been given to Christ by the Father as a love offering. That's what the scriptures teach. So you have nothing to do with it. Right. Nothing. And, and, and we've been made an inheritance having, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So here we see Paul reemphasizing that. I heard uh, uh, Steve Lawson say once, a good preacher is somebody who repeats himself. Um, and Paul does that. He's reemphasizing this. Verse 12, to the end that we who have first hoped, have hoped in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, listen to this, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance unto the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. You have been sealed. It has been marked. It has been signed in Christ's blood. And it, there, there is no return. <laughs> there is no sin back. There, there is no, I don't like this. I'm just going to leave. Negative. That is not the way it works. You've been sealed in Christ. Listen to this. In Christ with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who, who has applied the works of Jesus Christ unto you. The Holy Spirit is the one who has, who has through the gospel, through the word proclaimed, who has filleted open your heart and replaced that heart of stone with a heart of flesh. It is the Holy Spirit who illuminates. Yes, I said illuminates to certain people who think that scripture, that the Holy Spirit doesn't illuminate scripture for us anymore. No, it's the Holy Spirit who illuminates the wonderful truths found in his word. And makes us, and when I say makes us, it it changes our heart that we love and desire these things. That is what the scriptures teach. Do you really think that God the Father is going to adopt you, change your heart, seal, seal this with the promise of the Holy Spirit, seal it in Christ's blood, and then give you the opportunity to unseal it? I'm sorry. Scripture tells me that there's only one person worthy of that role. And his name is Jesus Christ, not you, not me, not anyone else. So that should humble us. Mm-hmm. But th- then that should encourage us as well. You know, I think, brother, I think so often in the Reformed community, we're all about the doctrines of grace, which we should be. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that there are times that we should slow down. And allow these doctrines to to travel, and when I say allow, I'm, I'm careful there, but but I don't want to say let either, but actively choose that. There's a better way to say it: to allow these truths to sit with us for a second, and to think about what this means. To actually read what God's word, God's word says, and to understand what it means by what it says, and what that means for us, like do. Because this should invoke an emotional response. Like th- this should hit you mm-hmm. as a believer. This should, th- th- this, should, this should hit you right in the gut. It should make you say, ouch, as Vody Bakken would say, but it should also make you say, amen. We've been given a promise. That promise is Christ. What does Paul say? All of the promises in Christ are yea. And so we say, amen. This should this should hit us. This should this should drive an emotional doxological response where where that becomes the fountain 
to which that becomes the well that all of our fountains spring from. And what I mean by that is everything we think, say, and do is driven by this truth. Mm-hmm. What you got, man? Yeah. So a couple things. <clears throat> I saw you writing over there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the whole, talking about the Holy Spirit indwelling you, when you are regenerated, when you come to repentance of sin and faith in Christ, yep. you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Yep. First of all, it's the Holy Spirit who moves you to right. repentance of sin and faith in Christ. That's right. This idea that people think that they can be indwelled by the Holy Spirit and then just reject Christ, um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. And I would actually say... You can't. You Yeah, you can't. Because... Um, I, I think it's in I think it's in Philippians, um, but it's God in me causing me to will and to move, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's the Holy Spirit that is progressing me in sanctification. It's the Holy Spirit that is convicting me of my sin. Here's a, here's a here's another test, okay, um, for your assurance of salvation. If you're not convicted of sin, maybe you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. <laughs> That's good, bro. Um, because the Holy Spirit brings us to conviction. Yep. Yeah, so, that goes back to First John, man. You know, and something you said a second ago, right? First John, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This yeah. is this is the spirit of Antichrist. Yeah. Now, now the interesting thing we have to be careful with is because a lot of these people would say, "Well, see, I confess Jesus. Um, I do confess Jesus." The problem is when you start questioning them about who Jesus is and what right. Jesus does, they come up with a false Jesus. Correct. Um, I.e., Bethel, Brandon Tatum, right? <laughs> T. Um, Jakes. Yeah. But the the with the Holy Spirit indwelling me, that's that's him who came into me. It's not me that brought him into me. Yep. Therefore, I can't cast him out of me. Right. Right. I can't just reject him out of me and say, no. get out of here, Holy Spirit. No. It doesn't work that way. Correct. Now, someone may be listening and they may say, well, what about Saul? Saul, who had the spirit of God depart from him. Okay. First of all, there's a difference in the Old Testament between the Holy Spirit coming on someone and in the New Testament believers where the Spirit comes in someone. Well, but listen to the way that's worded, though, too. Right. The right. Spirit of God who left. Right. It was God who took the Spirit away. Correct. Because Saul was only meant to be a temporary king leading to David. That was the whole purpose. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't try to throw that at me, bro. You ain't going to get very far. <laughs> But when we hear people talk about, um, you know, well, how did you how did you become saved? Right. People who are in this camp right. that we're talking about. Right. Well, how did you become saved? It, it, the answer always begins the same. I chose. It always be, it always begins that way. Mm-hmm. I chose. I made a decision. Mm-hmm. It begins with I. Mm-hmm. It never begins with God. Yeah. And whenever we begin with, I chose God, I made the decision to follow God. That is one of the most prideful and most arrogant statements mm-hmm. we can mm-hmm. make of our salvation. Because yeah. what we're saying is, I saved myself. God just helped a little bit. So it was so God who was there. I mean, he did the right. work on the cross, but right. then he just sits in heaven, right? He and just he's bankrupted in heaven. heaven for me. And he's just sitting there yearning and waiting for, for one of us to give ourselves to him in return. Right. And then, and then when people start talking, they start, start talking to others about Jesus. They don't actually talk to others about Jesus. They talk about their self. They give their quote unquote story. Right. And so it's all about the self 
and not about Christ and the gospel. So what it leads to is it it leads to a heavy worship of self rather than the heavy worship of God. Because what you just said, when we think about the truths of the gospel and what Mm -hmm. God has done, Mm -hmm. right? We think about how all we deserve is hell. We deserve death. That's right. We deserve to be eternally separated from the grace and mercies of Mm. God. But he did all Mm. these things. He drew me. He gave me. uh, He regenerated me. He brought me from death to life. He brought me to repentance of sin. And he brought gifted me faith in order to believe in Christ. He saved me. He works in me to will and to move. He sanctifies me. He does all these things. And so it should lead me to a place where where my entire life should now be worship to God. Mm. But when when we put ourselves as the mechanism of who saved us and we say, well, I chose to follow God. I made the decision to follow God. Mm. What we're saying is I need to be worshiping myself because I was smarter than than Jack down the road that uh, that wasn't smart enough to make that decision. Yeah, let me let me uh, jump in here for just a second, brother. Uh, it was it was a long time ago now, but um, I remember hearing um, Louis Giglio as uh, the uh, pastor of Passion City Church in Atlanta, Georgia. If you guys didn't know who Louis Giglio is, most of our listeners probably do. Um, but but something he told the congregation at Passion City, I volunteered there for a couple of years back when they first started. But I remember something that he said. He said um, he said, "Look, you know, don't worry about." Uh, I'm trying not to do this in a condescending tone, but I already failed. Uh, he he would <laughs> he'd say, "Don't don't worry about." Um, you know, getting the details of the gospel absolutely right. Here's what you do to share Christ with others. Just tell your story. You just tell your story. That is not the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. Right. That is not the gospel. The gospel of God and the Lord Jesus Christ is not your story. Yeah, I need to tell it's his story. Yeah, it's his story. And so the details of the gospel matter. The details matter. The the fact, and, and, and you laid it out wonderfully, that we uh, wretched, depraved sinners, our best attempts at righteousness, scripture says, are nothing but filthy rags. We have been born that way. That is who we are. Apart from Christ, we are sinners deserving of nothing but the absolute unbridled, never-ending wrath of God. And that's what we deserve. But God who was rich in wondrous mercy, sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, truly God, truly man, to be sin on our behalf. He lived the life we could not live. That's called, I mean, he, he did. He kept the law of God to a T and then stepped in in our place and took the wrath that we deserved. He died and three days later rose again resurrected by the power of God and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us at this very moment. That's the gospel, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's the gospel. It, the gospel is not, well, you know, I was right out of high school. I went to this tribulation trail thing. And I'm telling my story right now, this tribulation trail thing. And I, I knew that See, brother, it's even hard for me now to say it because I, or to to say it in the wrong way because I knew I thinking back like I and I'm coming up on that right. It's October 26th. I was saved. I the moment I remember understanding the gospel, understanding my need for a savior was October 31st of 2000. That's coming up on 22 years. Mm-hmm. But it was that day and that moment that I go, I get it. I need him. I need him. Period. Um, it's not that he needs me. I need him. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the gospel is his story, not yours. That's, that's, that's good, man. When you said that, I just, I wanted to jump in because I know there are you know, Andy Stanley and Giglio are tight. Um, I've, I've heard Giglio say that multiple times. I've heard multiple pastors around here say it. Um, just share your story. You know, it's okay. The, you know, it's like, well, hang on. No, no, it's not. You need to, if you can't articulate the gospel, 
I would, I would venture to say that you don't possess what you profess. Right. Right. Yeah. The thing about, you know, cause we started, we started this episode talking about yep. the Bible study that I went to where right. I, you know, heard this. And <clears throat> the thing is, is in this particular church, if I were to ask five different people what the gospel is, I'd probably get six different answers. And that is, it's sad because it demonstrates people aren't being taught the scriptures and they're not being taught the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not man. And that's, um, it's important. I've, I've mentioned it multiple times on matter of theology, but one of my favorite Paul Washer quotes is the initial look at the gospel is what the Lord uses to save us. And it's a continual look at the gospel that the Lord uses to conform us more and more into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's Romans eight. Um, and, um, speaking of Romans eight, that's where I was going to go next. Um, and, um, uh, this is just, again, more promises and assurance of, of, uh, of, of, of what scripture teaches. Um, this is a very famous passage of scripture. Um, but this is one that, that believers in the Lord Jesus Christ need to refer back to often. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start in verse 35. I, I, I could, I could literally read the whole entire chapter, but I want you to do that. If you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, I want you to go read Ephesians 1 and Romans 8 um, and stop and pray and focus and may, may the Lord richly bless you through the reading of his word. But this is what it says, starting in verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will affliction or turmoil or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mm. And I, I'm going to read Romans 9, 1 and 2. I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. Actually, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop at verse 1. Now, remember, when Paul wrote this, this is a letter. There weren't chapter and verse divisions. So he lays that out. And then says, I'm telling the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. This is the truth. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Nothing. Nothing. So brother, uh, as we, uh, as we kind of wrap up, man, and, um, uh, I haven't read from Valley of Vision in a minute. That's true. So, uh, the prayer entitled assurance, I figured I would give it a read is when I read it, it, uh, startled me in a good way. So, um, (sighs) says this almighty God, I am loved with everlasting love clothed in eternal righteousness. My peace flowing like a river, my comforts, many and large, my joy and triumph unutterable, my soul lively with the knowledge of salvation, my sense of justification unclouded. I have scarce anything to pray for. Jesus smiles upon my soul as a ray of heaven and and my supplications are swallowed up in praise. How sweet is the glorious doctrine of election when based upon thy word and wrought inwardly within the soul. I bless thee that thou wilt keep the sinner thou hast loved and hast engaged that he will not forsake thee else I would never get to heaven. I wrong the work of grace in my heart if I deny my new nature and my eternal life. If Jesus were not my righteousness and redemption, I would sink into nethermost hell by my misdoings, shortcomings, unbelief, unlove. If Jesus were not by the power of his spirit, my sanctification, there is no sin I should not commit. Oh, when shall I have his mind? 
When shall I be conformed to his image? All the good things of life are less than nothing when compared with his love and with one glimpse of thy electing favor. All the treasures of a million worlds could not make me richer, happier, more contented, for his unsearchable riches are mine. One moment of communion with him, one view of his grace is ineffable, inestimable. But, O God, I could not long after thy presence if I did not know the sweetness of it, and such I could not know except by thy spirit in my heart, nor love thee at all unless thou didst elect me, call me, adopt me, save me. I bless thee for the covenant of grace. Bro. Mm -hmm. A- men somebody yeah i mean <clears throat> think about the words in there yeah right um i'm trying to find where where it said it because i grabbed my copy a little late <laughs> but but basically the idea of you know i can't i can't fall out of his hand mm -hmm. but if if we hold to the idea like the pastor we were talking about yeah that said well you can jump out if you want. Right. Well, then every time I choose to sin, that's me jumping out. Bro. The question, the question that then follows, how do I get back in? Especially if you understand that you didn't put yourself there in the first place. Right. Right. You it know, but it falls apart, man. Right. It falls apart. And but so if I hold to the idea that I can jump out of God's hand, then every time I sin, I would be jumping out of God's hand mm -hmm. actively. It would be it would be a ten thousand time a day thing, right? Right. <laughs> just right. on the fact, just on the fact that no person ever loves God with all their heart, soul, and mind. Right. Absolutely. We don't. So because we don't live up to that, right? It's sin, but it's sin that's covered and it's sin that's that grace is given to. Yeah. So because we can't live up to that, we are always jumping out every that's minute, right. every day. If I could, I would. If I could, I would. All the but time. Yet, but I love the way he ends it, right? Mm -hmm. Talking about um, the spirit and God that elect me, call me, mm, adopt, adopt me. me. Hello, hello. The it, mm. it, and going back to Ephesians one, yep. predestined for what? Predestined to adoption, adoption as sons. That's an important distinction. Mm -hmm. So it's not just you're you're predestined for salvation or you're just elect for salvation that God just chose some to elect towards salvation. No, there's, there's a, there's a relational aspect here. Mm -hmm. this is, when we get into talking about foreknowledge, this is right. what the foreknowledge of God means. It's not just that God knows things beforehand because that's right. no different than nope. omniscience. Nope. Foreknowledge is a relational term. Yes. Bro. That existed in the preexistence. Um, where God ensures that the rebel sinner will become a friend. And in this case, we can say will become an adopted son. Right. Well, the, the, the uh, brother, man. <laughs> so that phrase, the will of God in Ephesians 1, 1, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, that phrase, the will, and I talked about this in that manna for today episode, um, uh, in the Greek, it's it's both active and passive. It's God's active right. choice and desire. Mm -hmm. It's it's what God wishes to be done. Not, not not just He knows. Not just He looks down the corridor of time and learns something. That's heresy. That's open theism. It's it's not that. It's He is preordained, active, actively by His desire. What God desires and wishes to be done is that he would adopt children, bring them into his fold. And like I said earlier, with all of the rights and blessings thereunto, based solely on nothing you did 
and can do. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's, that's important, man. That's important for us as believers to, to, to think about that, to understand that, right? That, that, that it's God's desire. Like it's his active desire mm-hmm. that you would be his. You think the creator of the universe is just going to say, okay, fine. You want to go and you're in me go now. Not only who- that, do you think that he's going to, that that's going to be his active desire and he's going to try and fail? No, right. Then he's not God, right? You know, um, in any other, you know, any other way other than than than, right. than again, just knowing what the scriptures teach and resting there, right. um, living there, thinking, dwelling there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's huge, yeah, man. If, if and think about it this way: if if my will is stronger than God's will, then that's not a God worth worshiping. He's not God at that point. Yeah. Why worship him? Because he can't. He's not strong enough to keep me, right? right. You know? and that's not so, the God of Scripture, right? That's not the God of Scripture. So, it's good stuff, brother. And, and like I said at the beginning, this is we could keep talking about this for another hour, you know. Um, but uh, but we want to implore you uh, to search the scriptures. Um, if you, uh, we, we've Drew and I have both known uh, people, mutual friends. Um, who have wrestled with this. Um, and so if that's you and you're listening to this and you wrestle with this, please reach out to us. Um, uh, send us a message on the socials or send us an email um, and uh, connect with us individually or on our Matter of Theology page. Um, l- l- let us know. And we would love to pray for you. And um, we would obviously uh, counsel you to to seek counsel at your church first. Uh, but, uh, but anything we can do to encourage you, uh, or point you to the scriptures and what the scriptures teach, um, we would, we would love to do so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, bro, you got anything else, man? Um, just, uh, <clears throat> you know, rest in the assurance that God is who he says he is. Amen, bro. Rest in the assurance that God will accomplish what he says he will accomplish for his children. Mm-hmm. And just rest in the fact that your salvation is not of your own doing. That's right. Your salvation is nothing but from the gift of God's graces and his mercies. Mm. So rest in that. That's right. That's right. That should, that should bring you immense rest. It should take pressure off. Oh yeah. Yeah. It should, it should be like pilgrim, in Pilgrim's Progress, when his his burden of sin finally fell off, right? It should be that pressure just releasing. Mm-hmm. When you understand who God is, what he does, and the promises that he has made to his children, and he will fulfill them because he is first and foremost faithful to himself. Oof, that's good. That's good. That's that's good. And I, I, I like that you said that. I think that, that that's... I mean, R.C. Sproul's words ring true. That's the problem with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Mm-hmm. And so if you wrestle with us, we would challenge you to study the attributes of God. Check out Stephen Lawson's book, Show Me Your Glory. Uh, it's a fantastic read. Um, if if you really want to dive headfirst in, check out The Existence and Attributes of God by Stephen Charnock. Um, but, uh, but most importantly, most importantly, study the Bible. Study God's Word. Those are secondary resources that are phenomenal, but the primary resource, the one that is perfect, infallible, inerrant, and absolutely sufficient, and which, by the way, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he will illuminate those things to you. And again, I use those words on purpose, um, but uh, but yeah, study, study the existence and the attributes of who God is. If you wrestle with this, that's where you should start. So, well, thank you, uh, brother. Um, thanks for man tackling this on For Life and Godliness and um, I know this is something you're very passionate about. And now that I've really started to dig into it, it's something that I'm becoming more and more passionate about spreading um, just because I know that there've got to be a lot of people wrestling with this. So, um, but we love you. We'll see you on the next one. Good day. <laughs>